morning. It is a pleasure to be here with you this morning uh, to worship in the house of the Lord. Would you join me in prayer before we get into our text this morning, Galatians 6, 6 through 10. Let's pray. God, we come before you this morning with your word open on our laps. And what a treasure it is that that we have that available to us. I pray, God, now as we enter into the preaching of that word, that you would be glorified. I pray, God, that you would strengthen the faith of the saints, that you would conform us to the image of Christ, and that you would lead us in being a church that is known for doing good. I praise you, God, for who you are. I praise you for the word that you have given us. And I ask that you would be glorified here this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray and ask all of these things. Amen. Galatians chapter 6. Verses 6 through 10, continuing along in our series through Galatians. If you would please turn there, that you might see the word of the Lord in front of you. Verse 6, this is the word of the Lord. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit Reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I don't know if you, uh, like me, ever get just an idea that comes into your head. And, and you're just like, oh, this, this is the greatest idea ever. And then you go to do it and you chicken out. Or it's just not that good of an idea to begin with. Um, but I wanted, I wanted to start with just a brief illustration um, and, and so this is what I'm going to do. What do you see on this pulpit? The Bible. The, the Word of God. This is the Word of God. Now, I've, I, 
I've talked to Pastor Tim a little bit about this and, and, and said that this really is a puny pulpit. Not enough room for, I mean, I have a pretty big Bible, but there's not enough room for my Bible, for my notes. There's, not, there's just not a lot going on here. And I, I thought of this when my preaching professor said that the, the strength of a church is determined by the strength of its pulpit. And so we, we look at this puny pulpit and say, well, it must not be that strong of a church. And yet, it's not the size of the pulpit or even the man standing behind the pulpit that determines the strength. The strength is determined by the Word of God and the Word of God faithfully preached. And I, I, I will tell you, I stand in a strong pulpit this morning. We are blessed to have a pastor who faithfully preaches the Word of God. Who challenges us. Who opens up the Scripture and tells us its meaning. And so maybe when I, when I had the, the pulpit turned around, you were, you were thinking uh, that, that, that could be distracting to have you know, the, the pulpit facing the wrong way, to have the authority found anywhere else than the Word of God. And, and you're absolutely correct. And so I do this. I, I did that illustration just as a gentle reminder. So that we don't fall into a temptation that I think is a temptation that, that could arise from the text or, or even a, a sin that the Galatian church fell into. The temptation that, that we could very easily fall into from this text, and as we discuss the meaning, you might see why. You could fall into the temptation of saying, I pay the tithe, you preach what I want. Or, or we could fall into the sin that the Galatian church fell into. They had a very low regard for the Word of God. They had a low regard for the Word of God preached. And so they did not support their pastor in the the task of preaching the Word faithfully. So we we need to guard against the temptation and we need to recognize that there is a sin that we could fall into. But we need to know that preaching, the Word of God preached, is the primary means of grace by which God strengthens the faith of His children. And the message that is preached can never be determined by itching ears. It must be determined by the authority of God's Word. And I think that this is a temptation uh, that we see in culture. We we see um, prosperity preachers who are just rolling in opulence. My wife was was doing a a rotation for her physician assistant program and telling them 
that she would be soon marrying a pastor. To which the doctor responds, oh, he, he should get into that prosperity ministry. That's where the money is. And, and this is the idea that culture has. That if someone can preach a message to the itching ears, a message that, that I like, that I approve of, that's where the money is. And that's what the ministry of preaching has been degraded to. Instead of standing firmly on the Word of God and preaching with conviction, we have these preachers who, who preach to people and, and tell them things like, you can live your best life now. When in reality, we know that Scripture says we will face persecution. And our best life is the one that is to come. An eternity with Christ. And so I think historically, the church, the body of believers, has, has not done the best job at providing for men who faithfully preach the Word of God. We can look at Elijah, or, or even if we look at the Old Testament in general, we see it's always the false prophets, the false teachers who, who have money, food, clothing, they have everything, and they have it in excess. But then, men like Elijah, who speak on behalf of God, faithfully, need to be fed by ravens, because the covenant community would not provide for him. We can look at John the Baptist, who, who lived in the wilderness and ate bugs. We can come even... Closer to today, and, and think of men like John Calvin, who, when he wanted to buy a book so that he could study to faithfully preach the Word of God to his people, he had to go into debt to do so. And, and this was a common occurrence. We can look at Jonathan Edwards, who had to develop a writing style that today, as we try to, to, to understand it, we can't read it because it's so small. He had to do this because he couldn't afford to buy paper. There's a quote from Erasmus, and he said this, When I get a little money, I buy books. If I have any left over, I buy food and clothes. And I, I used to think that quote was, was really cute because I, I really like to buy books and I don't really care about buying food and clothes. And yet he's showing the struggle that he faces as a man who faithfully preaches the Word of God and is not supported by his congregation. He knew that he, he needed those resources to be able to study so that he could faithfully preach the Word of God. He knew that so much so that, that he would go without food and clothing so that he could be prepared to preach. And so all of these men taught the Word of God faithfully, but were rarely provided for materially and spiritually. 
Now, again, don't hear me saying that pastors need to be millionaires. That, that's obviously not the case. But I think the argument of this text is that the men who faithfully preach the Word of God should be provided for in such a way that they can focus on faithfully preaching the Word of God. And so we'll look at a few things here. This idea of of sowing to the Spirit and how we can provide for our pastor. So sowing to the Spirit means providing for our pastor so that he can faithfully teach us the Word of God. First area we can do this is materially. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 speaks a lot about this. Paul devotes two chapters in 2 Corinthians to this idea. So it's something that he had to address a lot. In verses 13 and 14 of 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says this, Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So the ones that are faithfully hearing the word of God by someone who is faithfully preaching the word of God provide in such a way that they can get their living by the gospel. Excuse me. So this, it's this idea that, that we as a body should make provision for our pastor so that he doesn't have to worry about, about you know, finding enough income to be able to, to do what he needs to do to provide for his family. We should provide for him in such a way that he can spend his time preparing to preach the word. This was not the case in Galatia. They were spending their time on uh, time and money on, on the Judaizers, the ones who were who were proclaiming some sort of false gospel that Paul says in the beginning of the of the book, I am surprised that you have departed. That's where they're spending their time and money. And Paul is saying to them here, if you're sowing to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. But sowing to the Spirit, you reap eternal life. Again, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul says this, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. So from our text and from 1 Timothy and 1 Corinthians, we can see the men who faithfully preach the word of God, as 1 Timothy says, deserve their wages. In such a way that that their worries aren't on how am I going to provide for my family. Their worry should be the ministry of preaching. That as they preach the word of God, they faithfully proclaim what God has said. John Calvin 
commented on Galatians 6, 6 and said this, and, and I, I think it is profound. It is one of the tricks of Satan to defraud godly ministers of support that the church may be deprived of such ministers. And so in verse 7, when Paul says, do not be deceived, he's talking about the deception that Satan is bringing specifically in the area of supporting pastors and saying Satan is tempting you to not provide for your pastor because you have a low view of God's Word. You don't believe that God's Word preached has direct effect on your life, but it does. And so Satan tempts us into believing that we don't need to support our pastors. And the temptation follows down the line, and therefore we do not have faithful men to preach the word. So if we, as a body of Big Woods Bible Church, desire the preservation of gospel ministry, we would do well to support our pastor in this way. We would do well to support him so that he can stand behind the pulpit with the authority of God's word and challenge us to do good. Providing the pastor a salary, a place to live, a place to study, provides him the ability to focus on the word. And so we as a body need to have a correct view of preaching. Of what preaching is and what it requires of us. Preaching is the primary means of grace appointed by God to regenerate, sanctify, nourish, and comfort the souls of His elect in Christ. There's a lot at stake in preaching. John Stott wrote a book on preaching called Between Two Worlds. And basically he's saying that the role of the pastor is to stand and mediate between God and the people so that as he speaks, the word of God may affect the people, may stir their devotions, may strengthen their faith. So preaching is important. And if we think preaching is important, we provide for our pastor in such a way that he can faithfully preach the Word of God. The Westminster Confession of Faith, answer 155, says this. Preaching is an effectual means of enlightening, convincing, and humbling sinners, of driving them out of themselves and drawing them unto Christ, of conforming them unto His image, and subduing them to His will, of strengthening them against temptations and corruptions, of building them up in grace and establishing their hearts in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. We were were talking in the Q&A between services and I said that it is, it is rare for me, and 
most likely it, it involves a sin on my part that I leave this place not having been convicted. It, it is rare that, that after the Word of God is faithfully preached, I can walk out the doors and continue to live my life the way that I had been living when I walked in. That's the point of preaching. That we would be conformed to the image of Christ. That our faith would be strengthened. That God would humble us, drive ourselves out, and replace us with Him. That He would strengthen us against temptations and corruptions. That He would build us up in grace. And so that He would establish our hearts in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. No task, therefore, is of greater importance for the minister or the church than the faithful proclamation of the whole counsel of God's Word. And so we listen with attentive ears, prayerfully, considering what is being preached. That we would be conformed to the image of Christ and that our faith would be strengthened. That is how we provide materially. Firstly, by having a correct view of preaching. Secondly, by allowing our pastor the material things he needs to be able to preach faithfully. Secondly, we can provide for him spiritually. And this this will be a little more practical. Firstly, the best thing that you can do in providing for your pastor spiritually is pray for him. You can find out what days of the week he he spends mostly in preparation. Pray and, and fast during those times so that he would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit to understand the text so that he can stand before us and faithfully preach the Word of God. Pray for your pastor. Secondly... We, we need to be able to, to give him the time that he needs to prepare. Now, I, know, I do know that, that preaching is a small part of pastoral ministry. That, that it usually comes out to maybe an hour, two hours, any given Sunday. But there's a lot of work that goes into preparing to preach. I heard a statistic in my preaching class that preaching two times a week, that would be a morning service and an evening service, two different services, two different sermons, for 50 weeks out of the year is like writing nine novels in the same amount of time. There's a lot of work that goes into preaching. The task of... of illustrating points of applying 
what the Word says so that you know what to do going out of the doors. There's a lot of work, but I think the hardest part of preparing to preach is coming up with a sermon title. To come up with, with and, and Pastor Tim and I have had this discussion of coming up with a title that someone has not already used and something that gets the point across that, that can summarize what the message is going to be about, that takes a lot of work. But the, pat, the, the, the task of preparing to preach in general takes a lot of time. On average, pastors spend from 20 to 35 hours a week preparing to preach. Just as a a point of reference for someone who most, probably most of you know, and who is probably one of the greatest preachers alive today, John MacArthur spends 32 hours a week in sermon prep. That's a lot of time. There is a lot of labor that goes into preparing to preach. And so we would do well to pray for our pastor and to allow him time to do so. So here's some some just practical takeaways, some things that we can do to provide for our pastor spiritually and the task of preparing to preach. Like I said, allow him time to do so. But secondly, and and most importantly, praying for him as he does so. Find out when he prepares. It's usually the same from week to week. Find out when, when he's preparing to preach, when he is praying, when he is studying the text, when he is writing the sermon out. Find those things out. And pray for him as he does them, so that he would be strengthened, and ultimately so that your faith would be strengthened, because you reap the reward of having a pastor who is provided for. Giving him resources to do so, whether it's books, articles, DVDs, whatever it may be, articles that can that can show him, you know, this this is meaning of the text, and, and, and just things that, that he can use to study so that he can faithfully proclaim the Word of God. One that I didn't mention in the first service, but I think is also one of the most important things that you can do, is this. The, the most important thing that you have to do on Saturday is prepare to hear the Word preached on Sunday. So that you would spend your time on Saturday not not just, you know, off doing whatever, but that you would prepare your heart to gather with the saints to hear the Word of God preached so that you can understand And no, this is what I am called to do. That if you would have a prepared heart in coming to church on a Sunday morning, you'll get so much more out of the word preached. And so Saturday, it's a a great day to relax, but it's a great day to prepare your heart for worship.
that gives him hearts that are ready to receive the word that he is prepared to preach. Another way, I, I had another little side note in my notes that I didn't mention at the first service about praying for your pastor. And I was, I was encouraged this morning. I was going over my notes and, and I heard my phone buzz. I, I got a text message from Pastor Tim letting me know that he was praying for me as I prepared to preach the word. And so what, what an example we have in our pastor who is praying for the word of God being preached here. Another thing that we can do, recognizing the time he spends preparing to preach and thanking him for it. We need to realize that that the preaching of God's word has direct effect on our lives. That we cannot come to this place and, and hear the word preached and leave the same way. We experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that is because the pastor has provided, has been provided for and is able to study the text and preach it for what it means. And that is when the Holy Spirit grips our heart and shows us, you don't really line up here. And so the word preached directly affects our lives. Therefore, we must be attentive in our listening prayerful in our listening and and action as we go out the doors, and we must seek to apply the word preached to our lives. That we would hear the word of the Lord preached and go out the doors and apply it to our life. If if, If you want to encourage your pastor, the single greatest thing that you can do is tell him what God taught you through the preaching of his word. You can you can talk to him in that that just that awkward time after the service, shaking hands and whatnot. You can say, I really related to this illustration. I, I liked how you did this, but but telling him this is where the Holy Spirit convicted me and this is what I'm going to do about it. That is the single greatest thing that you can do as someone who hears the word of the Lord preached to encourage your pastor. To tell him, you faithfully exposited the text and this is how it has changed my life. May may we be a church that does that. That hears the word of God preached. And does something about it. Paul then goes on in verse 7 to say, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And he's starting a transition in the text of going from specifically the pastor to the congregation at large and then the world. And he says, Not providing for the pastor reduces the seed that is sown and diminishes the good that the believer is able to do. So let me, let me unpack that a little bit. It might be a little confusing. 
it's his main premise that the holy the, the harvest of holiness can only happen when you sow to the spirit if you're sowing to the flesh obviously you're going to reap what only the flesh can produce which is death and corruption but if you sow to the spirit you will reap from the spirit and that being eternal life he's transitioning from the importance of providing for your pastor to the importance of doing good to all. Providing for the pastor is the primary way that the body of Christ sows to the Spirit so that he is able to faithfully preach the Word of God and that we can be built up and stirred up to do good. And from there, we do good to all because we know the good that we are called to do. So if, if we're not providing, then we are reducing what is sown and diminishing the good that the believer is able to do. Let, let, me, let me see if I can break this down a little further. The, the more faithfully the word is preached, the more you will know what you're called to do. The more you know what you're called to do, hopefully the more you'll do it. And then the, the cycle starts over. The word is faithful is preached faithfully, you know what you're called to do, you do it. The word is pre- preached faithfully, you know what you're called to do, you do it. And if we are not providing for a pastor in such a way that he is able to faithfully preach the word of God, we're not going to know as much of the good that we're called to do. So this, this cycle breaks down. And the faithful preaching of the word provides us with, with conviction, provides us with with things that we are supposed to do. And if that's not the case, well then, the seed will be diminished and the good that we're able to do will be less. And this is why preaching is so important. And providing for the one who faithfully preaches the word is so important. He moves on then and and he's getting more and more broad. Moving from the pastor to the saints to all men. He says primary allegiance is given to the kingdom of God, but in such a way that our generosity extends to all. So we are to do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Well, what does that look like? In verse 9, Paul continues this, this metaphor and says, The harvest will come and we will reap if we do not give up. This idea of doing good, of loving and serving others, is probably one of the most discouraging things that a Christian can face. That you are pouring into someone's life. And there's just no response. That you are loving and serving and, and they want nothing to do with it. And so Paul says to press on, to persevere, knowing that the harvest is not on this earth. The harvest is in heaven. And it is, it's difficult to continue doing good when you don't see a harvest. And it's just this, this idea, the, the metaphor that, that continues throughout the text, 
after plowing the dirt, after sowing a seed, after watering it, you can't just let it go. You have to continue to care for it. I saw this this week in in my life. Um, we we have a, a little herb garden um, that that Mrs. Gray got us, um, and it's been sitting in our window and and I water it every once in a while. Um, but this week I decided, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna prune away the dead stuff. I'm gonna water it. And I'm gonna start to water it every day. Three days later, I, I'm looking at this plant and I'm like, nothing's happening. Nothing's changed. And so the next two days, I, I didn't water it. And so it's just this idea that once you start, you must continue. You can't stop halfway through. So it's, it's no good to, to sow the seed and leave it, just like it's no good to start doing good and not continue doing good. Because then the eternal reward is at stake. We must realize that that this good that we do does not save, but it is proof that we have been saved. And so we do good looking to eternity. We, we, We do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. And notice in verse 10, That he does not say, if you have opportunity. Because that would leave us with, in our fallen nature, well, you know, I I haven't really had the opportunity yet. He says, as you have opportunity. And it carries with it this idea of not only looking for opportunity, but making opportunity to do good. So, it's it's again, the, the perseverance that is needed we need to continue to make opportunities to do good. We can't sit back and say, well, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't had any opportunity to do good, do good lately. Well, go make some. Go, go find some opportunity. Find someone who is hurting. You, you don't have to look far for that. You need to make the opportunity to do good. Firstly, to those of the household of faith. Secondly, to all men. It's the idea that that our primary allegiance is given to the kingdom of God, given to the people of God, the family of God, our brothers and sisters in Christ, but not in such a way that we neglect everyone else. We still care for and love the people of this world. The metaphor continues as Paul is, is basically he's saying that, that this life that you live here and now, the season that you're in is planting. You spend your whole life planting. And then eternity is where you reap the harvest. Specifically, heaven is where you reap the harvest. But, but it, he's saying if you sow to the flesh, you can't expect to reap the harvest of heaven. If you sow to the Spirit, you reap the harvest of eternal life. So what is the good that he is talking about? He says, do good to all. Well, well, what good? What good am I supposed to do? 
The good that he's talking about is the good that he has mentioned in this letter already. And we've looked at some of it. We've looked at showing the fruit of the Spirit. We've looked at restoring a brother. And now we've looked at providing for your pastor. And in that regard, doing good is sowing to the Spirit. So let me maybe word it this way. Our goodness to the world has great effect. Because people get their view of Christians based on what Christians do. And that's, that's not some ridiculous principle. It's something that most likely you have found to be true in your life. That the view people have of Christians is the, based on what Christians have done to them. And so I ask, what are you doing in your life? What good are you doing in your life? Is the good that you're doing showing them the fruit of the Spirit? Is your life marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Or are you sowing to the flesh and reaping corruption and, and showing that to the world? The good we do has great effect. 1 Peter 2.15 says it this way, By doing good, you silence the foolish talk of ignorant people. Does your life do that? Are you looking for opportunity to do good so that people can have a correct view of who Christ is? Of what Christians are like. Now, you may not you may not be able to share the gospel with every single person you meet, but you do have the opportunity to be good to every single person you meet, to show them the fruit of the Spirit. And in doing so, you show them Christ. Titus two seven says it this way in all things. In all things, one more time, in all things, show a pattern of good works. That is the true Christian witness. That is what it means to live life in the body of Christ. That in all things, you have the pattern of doing good. It's showing that you obey the commands of Christ. It's showing that, that you believe Christ is who He says He is. It, it shows that the faith you claim is not false. And so this is the season of doing good. Because it is the season for planting the seed. It is the season of sowing to the Spirit so that we would reap the eternal reward. We must then seek to aid those in the household of faith and help and relieve the suffering of all men. Our our good doing is primarily to the household of faith, but that doesn't mean that we have an excuse to not love the rest of the people.
So may we plow the dirt, plant the seed, and, and water it as we eagerly await the harvest that we will reap in eternity. Two things in closing. May we seek to provide for our pastor so that he can continue to faithfully preach the Word of God to us. May we make it a habit of praying for him. May we lift him before God that as he studies the text, he would know what it means so that he can faithfully Proclaim it, which will cause us to do good. May we encourage him. May we tell him, Pastor Tim, this is how the Holy Spirit convicted me in the preaching of the Word this morning. May we provide for him so that he has the time and the resources to prepare to preach the Word of God. There's a lot that goes into preparing to preach the Word of God. So may we provide for Him in that regard. And ultimately, may we apply the Word preached to our lives so that as we gather here this morning, we can gather and be convicted by the work of the Holy Spirit and go out the doors and show the change that has come from that conviction. Secondly, may we seek to do good to all men, especially to those in the household of faith. May we not grow weary, but rather keep the eternal reward in view, knowing that what we reap will be in, in so such great abundance compared to what we have sown here on earth. Therefore, let us provide for the needs, minister to the hurting, pray for the persecuted, love the unlovable, soothe the suffering, encourage the discouraged, and lift up the downcast to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith, so that the gospel may go forward, Christ would be exalted, and that we would reap the heavenly harvest. Pray with me. God, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would work this in and among us, that as we sit under faithful preaching of the word, we would be caused to do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. Give us perseverance. And help us to trust in you, looking forward to what is to come. I praise you and I thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.